song. Sometimes it was just a humming which came through the windows at night when I couldn't sleep, the sun already warming the cool air of night. The pitch of the humming, not unlike the pitch of the singing, which came from the couple two stories up who sang opera, which came down the walls, which were thick, built, it would seem, out of rubble, except for the walls between rooms we learned one hot day in July, the point of a screw emerging in our bedroom from the pentagonal kitchen, which looked out on the backyard, where the beans I'd sowed in mounds of earth were brutalized each night by slugs or snails, which roamed the plots, especially after rain, though it rained so little, the grasses bleaching yellow, though summer had barely begun, their bodies as long as fingers and nearly translucent, their undulations subtle and yet in increments they crossed the subdivisions which we had laid with brick, in imitation of the squares we lived in which shared walls through which we heard the neighbors fight and then make up and they heard us. Sometimes I flung the slugs over the fence, remorseless. Other times deciding it would be cruelty to do so, even if my flinging meant that briefly the gastropod would fly. Even with the knowledge they'd return, would penetrate the chain-link fence to eat the waxen bean leaves, young and doomed. Once I even found a lone slug in the foyer and hunched to trace its gleaming trail of substance, showing with precision the path it had traveled. A slug is not as you might think a snail without a shell. A slug lives its whole life without a shell, like I do, scurrying across the street to weep before the woman singing outside the Neukölln town hall, her low, clear notes unearthly in the morning rush, a sort of song I'd never heard before. Once it was a melody I swore I knew, which entered my apartment, so alluring that I ran out to the balcony, then pressed my ear against the thick walls, then the thin ones, but heard it clearest in the middle of my bedroom, as if it was the air itself that sang. And still I make my stale ritual each week or so, logging on my fake account to watch the stories of a lover from whom I'm estranged, clicking through three years to reach the present, noting the deletion of my presence though not the images I filmed of her twirling in a crimson cape as bells rang in the darkness and in daylight spread armed beside a flooded river and the inking of a ginkgo leaf that matches mine which we'd driven up to Köln to get three years ago last winter, almost four.
Now I climb in nearly daily and with utmost caution to the bathtub, my great windfall. Though it is so small, I need to curl up fetally to fit in it. Submerged, I press my fingertips against the dome of flesh I had become, trying to find the hard sphere of the baby's head. Then what the midwife called the little pieces by which she meant the baby's feet and hands. In bed, I browse potential monitors with convex eyes of glass to see the baby from a distance and in darkness with technology developed by the British Army, so in theory I could watch the baby while I drank a blood-orange cocktail down the street at Neue Republik, which I deemed a needed, if symbolic, return to what I called my life. The possessive my, essential to the notion that the sum of what I saw and felt belonged to me. The leaves that fluttered on the other side of gauze I'd hung up in my bedroom and the beam of sun which cut through and revealed the hovering motes of dust for a precise number of minutes, which varied in accordance with the season and the blighted beans that I had planted and the bricks laid into the street where the wall used to stand, which I followed some mornings as I walked alone and the hands and feet and the toes and fingers of my baby as I saw them for the first time and the singing, that all of this was mine, although it wasn't 